0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room, we talk all things Wars, Marvel, DC and beyond. This is episode number 246, we're discussing Wonder Woman 84, Miss Marvel and our outlook for the back half of Mando Season 2. I'm your host Tim. And I'm Carlos. And you're left with just the two of us this week. Unfortunately, Troy and Sanjay are absent from the mics from the Nerd Room this week, but Carlos and I are going to walk you through. Everything Star Wars, Marvel, and DC in particular. We're going to touch on each of those franchises that we discuss here each and every week. Talking Wonder Woman 84, we've got a new release schedule in some capacity. Something that was predicted on our pre-show last week by Carlos. I don't know what kind of pipeline he's got in there to WB, but it kind of was laid out exactly as he had predicted. We're also going to touch on Deadpool 3. We've got some indications here, some scoops from Deadline, where they're talking that Marvel Studios is going to take the reins of Deadpool 3 and run with it with Ryan Reynolds, potentially inside of the MCU. And staying in that space, we've got some early set photos from the Disney Plus show, Miss Marvel. So we're going to talk about those and what we think this could mean for the introduction of Miss Marvel into the MCU. And of course, guys, we're halfway through The Mandalorian Season 2. And we had said earlier on, We're going to take a bit of a pit stop, refresh ourselves, and talk in some detail about what we think the back half of the season is going to look like, given what we've seen in these first four episodes, especially chapter 12, which we got a ton of new reveals to discuss and walk through in some detail here towards the end of the episode. But guys, we got to get into it. It's just Carlos and I this week, so it might be a slightly shorter episode, but like we always do at the top of these episodes, no matter who's sitting at the mics, we got to get into our weeks and nerds so the goddamn batman and captain america at the mics this week man how you doing i'm doing good man we're rocking it uh the brave and the bold style so, yeah we are <laughs> yeah just the two
1: of us, but we've put together uh, at least two magic episodes like this before. So. Yes, we
0: have. I think there's a there's a a lot of fun here when you got Captain America and you got Batman, the Falcon, whatever you want to call yourself tonight. But but I'm excited to get to the details here with you, man. And we do miss the boys, but like they say, man, the show must go on. The nerd room must come out on Thursdays, and we gotta talk some nerd here, man. So how's your how's your weekend nerd been? You know what? It was a pretty banger of a week, Um, and not so much because I was out hunting and
1: uh, scoring stuff, although there was a major score. um, It was just kind of things fulfilling. So a couple weeks ago, and Troy was intimately involved in this, but uh, I ended up getting cancellations for all these McFarland figures that I had ordered um, months ago. Like I had got them kind of day one when they show up on Amazon Canada, and a couple of them I get hit with uh, this item has been delayed and a couple of them it's like we don't know if we're getting this or so we're cancelling it. And I still have those still picking at the scabs of that uh, Beskar Mando experience with that same company. <laughs> so uh, I-, I get these notices and I'm going back and forth with Troy and that had been like Yeah. This this was like over a month ago. And then like I end up at the EB games by your house that same weekend. And there's some dude that comes flying in looking for one of the figures. And so I'm like, I'm not going to be the only guy looking for these on the shelves and I, I can't let this pass. And so going back and forth with our boy there a little bit longer. And uh, I was just like, you know what? Screw it. And I ended up putting in a big order with uh, Amazon US to get some figs. And I justified it because one of the things I did get in the mail just on uh, Tuesday last week, Wednesday last week, was uh, the Batman versus the or Red Death Batman versus the Flash Mm. McFarlane figures. So and that one was exclusive to Amazon in the US and isn't getting single packed. So I needed him to finish off my... uh, Dark Knights Metal, the inaugural group of them, at least. So uh, if you want to check him out, some pictures are on the the Nerd Room Instagram yes. page with uh, the rest of the crew there. And then the, the two coveted ones that it seems to be is the Arkham Knight Batman and the Arkham Origins Deathstroke figure. So I've got those boys. They're here. They're in hand. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm just going to hold off on unboxing them because I know it's going to be a minute before uh, – i get to pull anything else out of the plastic so later on this week i'll i'll share the pictures on the on the instagram and stuff like that but really looking forward to taking those guys out especially the deathstroke like
0: the thing that blows my mind about McFarlane right now is that i feel like each week you guys have a new wave to detail like does McFarlane (laughs) just put a new wave out every single week it seems like it. Like even
1: today, he's just like, hey, I'm gonna show you this video, and here's like another wave of figures and a build a figure. And it's like, seriously, <laughs> dude. So yeah, I don't know. Like, and it's funny because like I liked about sixty percent of those first figures that he put out. But then after that initial wave, there has A not been a dud, and B every single wave seems to get better and better. So it's like, I want to get off
0: the crazy train, but it's just too good. Yeah, you gotta just too good. Flying with it. It seems that that first wave was kind of like this broad spectrum of figures. Cause you have the arrow figure and you kind of hit on some of the comic book stuff and some of the, the throwback stuff. And then now it's just, I, I find they they've got, gotten even more. And I'm going to say niche because I'm not a DC guy, but they're figures that, I'm not completely familiar with. When I see them swinging from the pegs, I'm like, I don't really know where this is from. It yeah. looks awesome. The price is right. They're like the the sculpts and everything are are wild because they're not really reusing much on them. But yeah. it, it seems that they're really playing to that that niche space. Is that do you find that as a major collector of the McFarland's? 100 percent. And it's interesting because it's part of it is they're striking
1: while the iron's hot. And it blows my mind that they're able to realize these figures as fast Mm -hmm. as they can. Because like the death metal series, it's like halfway, maybe two thirds done. And they've already got figures on this thing before the comics are coming out. So, yeah, I think that's part of it. And the figures must be successful for them having this approach. Because I think, like you said, they're just cool looking characters. And I think people that are not even reading the books are just like, you know what, this is a badass looking Batman I don't know what these two axes that he's swinging means, but I'm going to pick it up Mm -hmm. or this kind of spiky Joker Batman. I like this one. And like those death metal figures or yeah, like the, or the dark Knights metal figures, you can't find any of them anywhere, which tells me that they're selling. So
0: yeah, the only ways I still see is some of the first wave and then the Wonder Woman 84 wave. Yeah. Are the only two waves I see everything else is, yeah, it's just dust on the shelves.
1: Yeah, which, and I'm, like, there's not that many people reading the books, I don't think, so that just tells me that they just appeal to people, which is kind of what his shtick was with his old Spawn figures, Mm -hmm. right? And remember, he used to do, like, those, like, movie maniacs and, like, the horror figures, where it's just, like, yeah, I think this is cool, so I made it in plastic, and you can buy it if you want, and those things used to fly off the shelves, and there's some pretty funky stuff that
0: I wonder if you've got and you probably have some better commentary around this but I wonder if they're getting statue collectors bus collectors and and people like that migrating a little bit more towards the McFarlane stuff because it is appealing to that I, I at least I would think to that crowd a bit more because of what they're doing it's not just you know the same version of Batman or Bale's Batman or you know, Ben Affleck's Batman, the mainstream stuff, it is it is going into a space that, you know, maybe isn't commonly touched on in plastic form. Yeah, maybe. And, oh. and it, like, I, I find there's, like,
1: one, it is kind of based on comic art, but there's a bit, at least for me, I find there's a bit more of a timeless mm-hmm. um, appeal to something that's just based on a piece of art versus, like, this is this character from this period, and it's, like... Dal Kilmer Batman, love him or hate him, he's the Batman of 1995. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's not, whereas, like, you could have a whatever, do a Dick Sprang Batman and he's evergreen. So, yeah, I don't know. That that, that is actually a pretty good thought. And I, I, yeah, I I think just maybe because it, it, art is evocative, right? For people. Mm -hmm. So,
0: it certainly captured your attention and, and Troy's and Doris and, and uh, what did we call them last week? Uh, back Goody? Yeah, the
1: Back Goody. Yeah. Uh, so, and then uh, to be honest, and the score that I'm pretty proud of, I've never been in on those, uh, actually, wife, if the uh, young child is around, make sure that she vacates the room if you're listening to this out loud, but uh, three, <laughs> two, one, go. Um <laughs> I've never been one to dabble with the sneaker drops or play in that whole realm, and I've heard legend of um, the cutthroat brass knuckles Ooh. and short knives type of fight that it is. But uh, Adidas did Miles Morales Spider-Man shoes Ooh. based on the PS4 game, and we're having a hell of a time figuring out what to get this kid for Christmas. And uh, her blasting through that game, and she's like... She's always loved the character, but like really focused on him right now. And like, she'd been scoping out the shoes and being like, oh, these are cool. But just fortuitously, she had only come across like some Instagram auction where like they wanted like 500 bucks for them. So she's like, ah, I wish I could get a pair of these shoes, but ain't happening. But uh, yeah, I was kind of on the ball and I saw that Adidas was releasing these things and it was madness to try and like get these things checked out, but I ended up securing a pair in her size that uh, are on our, on their way from Adidas
0: Canada. So, oh, that's odd. It's, so was it online an online drop? Yeah, yeah. Yeah my yeah. my only experience with sneaker drop. I'm by no means a, a sneaker person at all. Is one I guess maybe two things is the Jeff Goldblum episode of whatever it was on Disney Plus that he put out. Okay. There's some episode there and he's like going to like a shoe trade show or something. And these guys are paying like $25,000 cash for stuff like this. And my only other real experience, and this is probably, um, we'll hit home a little bit. I'm going in on might've been triple force Friday or the Force rogue Friday or something like that. I'm going into the Disney store up at market real early to make sure I get the exclusives there and i can hear this chatter and there's all sorts of you know voices and i'm thinking oh my god there is 40 50 people in front of the disney store nope they're all in front of footlocker <laughs> okay <laughs> so i go by and i'm like what is going it must have been some sort of sneaker drop but they're lined out for hours um and i thought i was early to the mall like i was there before it opened and all this and people are in front of footlocker like camping out basically of these shows. So, you know, I was okay. I was the only one and a couple of dudes showed up behind me for the the drop of the Disney store, but all the action was over at Foot Locker. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy,
1: man. Like that uh that sneaker game, it it's no joke. So nope. I'm uh
0: yeah, I'm glad I'm aged out of that stuff. I am <laughs> in that New Balance age. I was gonna so. say You've got you got a <laughs> pair for every sort of like for cutting the lawn, for you know, when yeah. you're going on your swift brisk walks around the neighborhood.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh yeah, the, the Batman Converse Chuck's will have to be evergreen type of thing for me, but uh, yeah, I was pretty I was pretty stoked to score those, so it'll be so it'll be something to see her face when uh, she That's opens awesome. that wrapping up and there's a good old Miles Morales Adidas in there, so
0: beauty man beauty always gotta love that. It's a great time of year for that kind of stuff. Is uh, you almost find that when you're out there and you're you're looking for things, your your focus shifts or uh, elsewhere to uh, to others, which is really nice. And, uh and, and kind of giving and getting almost that uh that satisfaction of the hunt by finding something special for someone else I, I really love that by this time of year
1: yeah man for sure for sure how about you though well what, what was your weekend nerd looking like
0: oh man I tell you it has been a a wild couple a wild week really at work and so I've had late nights and and no time really to focus on on the hunt really and it, it's been okay like I, I've had a Quite a few intense weeks on Kijiji, and I just didn't find the time actually to meander too much through Kijiji. I always make a, a few minutes, that's for sure, and <laughs> some stuff popping up. But as I usually get towards this time of year, I usually try to pump the brakes a little bit because you never know what's gonna, if you, what you're gonna find uh, underneath that Christmas tree or. Or from a family member or whatever so i i do like to, to chill out but um one thing i did do uh outside of the hunt really I've, I've no acquisitions this week you know one of the few weeks of the year that i will actually say that but i did sit down with my youngest or sorry my oldest and watch the star wars lego holiday special on uh, nice on disney plus and you know what it it was okay it wasn't as good as i had hoped it was going to be it didn't lean too too much into the the satirical humor that I was hoping it would, um, but there's some there's some great moments there, and it did nicely play around to the universe itself and different eras, visiting everything from of course the Mandalorian to the original trilogy into the sequels and all that, and it it did hit on some of those those high points, but it just felt a bit almost at times rushed to me. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's the time travel aspect that it didn't really land with me. And I know this is a a Lego holiday special. Um I know <laughs> what like I know who it's aimed at. It's aimed at my daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and so yeah. I'm not going to throw this thing under the bus at all, but it uh it wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. You know, you know how some of those satirical takes from the Lego side of things like Lego Batman style, right? Where it's actually quite engaging um, yeah. for an adult. This wasn't there's some funny stuff but most of that was actually in the preview um but but overall yeah it was it was fun enough it's worth a watch definitely if you got a little one as well um and the one thing i meant to check out i don't know if you had an opportunity to check this out i didn't quite get to it but it's on the list for the weekend is uh this new marvel 616 series that's on yeah i haven't uh i haven't watched it yeah it's it's a bit of like a docu-series it seems um Mm -hmm. and it's hitting a bit on of course the 616 being the you know the main comic book universe for Marvel, and so I believe it is playing into that. I saw the preview when they did, I believe it was Hasbro PulseCon. They showed some of it from the Marvel side of it. The uh, there's an uh, figure, actual figure episode where they go through a few things. So um, it's definitely on the list, up out there on Disney Plus. Um, so it intrigues me, but not enough to to really dive into it. And it kind of was released, I think, the same way the Lego. Star Wars was released with very little fanfare. Like I just went on Disney plus one day it was there. Like I had no idea it was dropping then. Yeah. The only reason I found out about it was because
1: a bunch of the comic writers and artists that I follow were kind of mortified at the Marvel method way of doing comics and how <laughs> Dan slot and Tom Brevoort basically go about their business issue to issue. <laughs> and they were just like, I don't know how people can be expected to work under those type of circumstances and there's some commentary around like how it affects the overall quality of the books and whatnot and why some of these events instead of taking five or six issues to wrap up they take 18 type of thing <laughs> because the artists and the letters are left to kind of come up with big chunks of the story and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I didn't sit down and watch it myself. But it was just it was interesting to watch the commentary, but coming from professionals in the industry mm-hmm. that I hold in very high regard kind of thing, being like, oh, my goodness, like, <laughs> how how do you do business like this?
0: <laughs> so, well, even with that perspective, it'd be interesting to watch. I'm not sure if it's episodic or it was a whole season dump, probably episodic, um, given what they've done for the most part. I don't think there's too many big drops um, but yeah, hey, it's something to watch, something to get into, especially as we, uh, we up here in the North are struggling a little bit with our, our COVID response. So it's going to be a lot of, uh, home time and, and consumption of this new stuff. And I'm glad, like we discussed last week, that we're seeing a bit more original content. This is, uh, maybe a bit more into the frame as you put it of a, uh, a DVD extra.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. This, this is like full out, like the, the Disney propaganda videos, like you get at Disneyland when you're walking around. <laughs> Look how great we are! Come enjoy Solent Green at the Star Wars cafeteria, and I just put my
0: hand out and say, "Please give me the Kool-Aid." <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's we'll a, uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely take a watch, and uh, I'll have a watch this weekend for sure. And I'll let you guys know if you're uh, a bit tempered on uh, <laughs> on jumping into that, whether or not it's worth it, because. My Disney subscription went through last week. I said to my wife, I said, what is this $94 Apple charge? And we're thinking, like, did someone get a hold of our account or whatever? And she's like, oh, no, 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 Disney Plus.
1: <laughs> there you go, man. You almost paid 10 bucks an episode for The Mandalorian. I
0: did. <laughs> Worth every penny, though. <laughs> Worth every That's penny. <laughs> That's but true. Maybe I'll get a bit more juice out of it this year as we get, uh, of course, hopefully Captain America or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, not Captain America yet. And uh, of course, WandaVision and we're going to talk here in a few minutes about Miss Marvel as well, which may land in 2021, late 2021, early 22. So hopefully we'll start to see some of that original content uh, rolling out here in Disney plus. But before we get to that discussion, uh, we got to talk about uh, another property here that is near and dear to the heart of the Mrs. Goddamn Batman, and that is Wonder True. Woman 84. So slated to be released originally in the summer, and then it was pushed to later, and then it was pushed to later, and now we landed on this December 25th release date in theaters. Now, that has been slightly tweaked over the last week, and I think there, there's two big things that come out of this. It was the reveal that... The, uh, i guess on the american side and hbo max we are going to see or they're going to see one of them released uh at the same time it's released in theaters on december 25th but the other thing is is they put a hard line in the sand that one will be released in 2020 with this announcement as well because it looks like all international territories outside of the states will not be getting this digitally at least right away but will be getting it i believe a week earlier than originally slated mm-hmm on December 16th in theaters. So it looks like we're getting it here in Canada and it's going to be a theatrical release, but in the States it is going to be a dual release. The first of its kind, especially for what could have been the biggest movie of 2020 is going to be releasing on HBO max. People can watch it from home with no additional charge. I may add, and also releasing the theaters in the States at the same time for the areas that do have movie theaters open. So Carlos, Break this down from your perspective, from the family's perspective, about how this was received and kind of your thoughts. Because you had – we didn't actually – we actually probably have it on a recording, but we didn't talk about it in any detail last week. But you had predicted this actually on the pre-show, that they were going to announce this and release this day and date on HBO Max as well as in theaters.
1: Yeah. To be honest, I was a little surprised that they came out and said it's day and date and it's going to be on HBO Max for free. And that there's not going to be a corresponding VOD strategy Mm. with it as well. Um, But, man, like after the initial shock of the fact that, A, it's coming out for sure, no questions. um, And that it's coming out on HBO Max day and date for free or under the umbrella of your subscription. Man, what a baller move by... Warner Brothers and HBO Max. So, like 2020, it has ground everybody to dust. And we've had some great content released on streaming and streamers, but nothing even close to the grand spectacle of like a bona fide triple A four quadrant superhero mm-hmm. movie available to audiences. So, Warner Brothers is going to do two things. Number one, they're going to put HBO Max front and center of everybody's mind. Like, you couldn't spend enough money. You couldn't have taken the $200 million that you spent on making Wonder Woman 1984 and marketed HBO Max and put the attention and eyeballs on it that this movie release is going to do for the fact that people can wake up Christmas morning, open presents, turn on their TV, and watch this brand new A-list movie. The other thing that it does is now you saw what Fandom did and where it put DC and the regard for its properties and just kind of the perception of the brand and what they have to offer, what that event did for them in August. Now you take One Room in 84, assuming that it's a decent to very good movie, and that is the only big flashy superhero movie that's come out in well over a year and is going to be the only thing that anybody sees until at least March, April, May, that's insane. Like, that's worth the roll of the dice as well. And I think, like, for goosing subscriptions on HBO Max, it's a great move because they didn't have just – by virtue of how they're structured and how they rolled it out, they didn't have what Disney Plus had with having this massive subscriber base based on just the library and the promise of other things. Mm -hmm. They kind of soft shoot into existing deals and rolling existing HBO customers into the Max platform. And sure, they had some new people buy on, but this is a big statement move and like, there's going to be a pile of people that sign up for HBO max or do the conversion stuff that they've been asking people to do. Like really the proof is in the pudding within hours of them and making this announcement about wonder woman. Amazon was like, Oh shoot, we need to get your app on our devices. Sorry for screwing around. And Roku is scrambling and now Warner brothers holding the hammer. Whereas Roku was kind of playing silly bugger before. So, yeah, man, like you're bang on the money. Like this was probably going to be the highest grossing movie of 2020 or like one or two. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably sacrificed a billion dollar movie. But the reality is, folks, if they held on to this thing until 2021, you're not making that billion dollars.
0: It's and you you worry about the product growing stale as well, right? Hundred percent. Been... It moves so many times, and you know, I Black Widow is the other movie that I think would have been in contention. I think you'd agree with, and yeah. they've just shoved that so far out that no one's thinking about it anymore, right? When it comes back, it may feel a little fresher. Um, I still don't think it will make what it would have on an original release date last May. But Wonder Woman 84, it really could have run into that. And they also got to think too, it's a very good point you brought up, that it's going to have the run, you know, for three, four months. And there's got to be, like you said, some existing, and I am shocked at this as well, that there's not a a more clear rollout on how this is going to land on VOD. But even if this was released in theaters, it's going to find itself on VOD in two, three months anyways, right? They might expedite that a little bit. So they're going to give it a little bit of a theater run. And then they're going to drop this on VOD, say, January, February, something like that. I would yeah, think. Yeah, I think they've kind of said a month yeah. is kind of their... And so, like, that's huge, too. So it's going to have... It's going to be, like, this massive film that's, you know... And I don't even know if how, what the theater is going to look like here in Canada, or at least on our side of the, of the country, come December. So, you know, we might have to wait a little bit for it. But ultimately, it's going to be the countdown to handing over cash for this Mm -hmm. one. And if I'm being honest with you, if HBO Max was available Mm -hmm. in Canada, I would have definitely signed up for sure for this movie. Um, You've got my money for that. Like it's a big enough draw just for that. And then I get to explore all of the the high praise shows that are on there as well, right? That you've been kind of flagging to us over the past couple of months about what they're doing over HBO Max from an original content perspective.
1: Yeah, Um, and that's the other thing too. It's like if this gets people in the door, like HBO Max has the content and the quality. Like there's like in that especially for adults, there's nobody even close. Like it's admittedly a little sparse with the children's programming, but if you're looking for like good dramatic fare, like nobody nobody beats them, right? Like they were they were in this game decades ago producing that kind of mm-hmm. content, right? So yeah, I I think it's a good move. Like, I, it, it's bold, but it's, if if the world's a changing, then you might as well be at the tip of that spear, right? So yeah,
0: it's it's gonna hurt for the theater industry because this is is gonna be or likely to be a big loss for them not having a movie like this. But it'll be interesting to see how this rolls out in twenty one. You know, we've got movies like Black Widow, Fast Nine. Bond 25, Eternals, everything, right? That has been shoved into 21. And whatever the theater industry looks like then, and then you've got, what, a release every weekend of, of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, pole films trying to, to clear the backlog, but also then trying to land on some of these new properties. And so it, it it's definitely, you know, we've been throwing around the analogy about basically the death of the movie industry. And I don't know if this quite does us does that but it definitely gives a lot more credence to the digital platform given that a movie of this scale is moving to it you know it may you may start to see disney turn its head a little bit i don't think they're going to move off that release date that they've set for black widow and suddenly jump black widow to disney plus but uh they will be watching that's for sure
1: yeah i think the like the state of kind of health and the Western world will determine what they do with that, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll be watching this, and if this is even remotely successful, um, like you said, you're you're in a position where you're not going to be making huge money or the money that you did historically off these movies just because they're stacked up one on top of each other, right? Like where you might have gone to see Black Widow three or four times over the course of its run, there's going to be three or four other new big, high profile movies that are gonna fall into those weekends kind of thing. so
0: and you're still gonna have people that are hesitant to go back to the movies you know even mm-hmm. if we get midway through the year and we start to see the light at the end of this uh, pretty wild tunnel, you're, you're still gonna have people hesitant and you're not gonna have people frequenting the theaters like they did and yeah. so there's still gonna be people that're gonna be uncomfortable with 250 people inside of a movie theater right for two and a half hours. Uh, myself being one of them. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and the reality is, is even with like pending vaccinations and stuff coming down the pipe, like I'd be shocked if fifty percent of the population no is inoculated <laughs> by by I, June. I I, right? I hate so, to be
0: the pessimist on that, but I tell you right now, I have no faith that that's going to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's only looking at fifty percent. So, yeah, I think it's a baller move, and and selfishly, like. God, I'm tired of talking about this movie. I'm tired of I, my my kids trolling my wife with being like, <laughs> "Well, yeah, sucks to be you."
0: <laughs> I I I'm right there with you, man. I just want this out. Like, I feel like we have definitely dedicated 3 4 hours of discussion on this podcast in the last 4 months on this topic of moving and shifting, move, you know, what are you going to do with it yeah. and that. And it's finally nice that they've just like I said, drew a line in the sand and said, "Okay, it's coming out." December 25th, December 16th in some territories. And this, it's just going to be out, guys. And you'll get it on VOD when you get it. I think I would like to see that plan a bit more solidified. So maybe I can count on to when I can I can see it. But nonetheless, you know, it, it's, it's good to see that there's a definitive plan. It is a bit of a shame for the theater industry. But uh, at the end of the day, hopefully we'll see everything kind of turn around and uh, have kind of the best of both worlds at the end of mm-hmm. all this.
1: Well at least with the theaters they have a movie, right? Mm. Like uh, I I think they're happy to share One Roman eighty four and at least bring something in. Yeah. Because there's only so many times that people are gonna go watch The Empire Strikes Back, right? At well, the exactly. theater. So <laughs> yeah, they need to have a, a few things to show and and they haven't had like a big four quadrant glitzy no. blockbuster come to their doorstep so and there'll be people in the States that have the ability to watch it on HBO max, but just choose to see it theatrically mm-hmm. the first time. Right. So
0: we got to, got to hold on to that because I posted the results or the current results, not the results, the current outlook for our box office fantasy pool. Um, and it's, uh, it's not great on the listener side of things. There's a couple <laughs> people, but it is dependence a bit on Wonder Woman 84. I put that out and then they delayed free guy, I think to, to 2021. So, the last movie to come out this year is uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, I know, free guy. He was going to put me over the top, but we'll see. I think you are going to win. I didn't do the uh, the crew one, so we'll see. I think you are probably in the lead there. But uh, who knew that Bad Boys three was going to be the highest grossing film of twenty twenty? Go figure, eh? <laughs> I know. Well, you might win it just with Tenet and Wonder Woman. I may very well, but we'll see. I think someone must might have taken Sonic in there. But uh, we'll uh, see. No, I think no? Sonic was before we picked. Oh, maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that I thought that sounds like a very Sanjay movie to take.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just didn't want to lose because I didn't want to have that stupid Enchantress figure in my house. So I still,
0: still got it here, man. It's it's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so as I don't I don't need to win, but as long as I'm not fourth,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need that golden <laughs> Spidey back in my room. <laughs> I get back from Troy there. <laughs> but uh let's move on here to the to the mcu for for a few minutes before we jump over to galaxy far far away deadpool 3 so as all the properties have moved to from fox to disney proper now we've yet to see really what the plans are for the x franchise characters the fantastic four and how they fit into the the broader plan for the mcu we're seeing a broad we're seeing really a broad expansion of the characters that are within the MCU on Disney Plus in particular with Miss Marvel. We've got the announcement that we've got a Blade movie coming. Moon Knight, we talked about a few weeks ago. She-Hulk. So there's a lot going on there and then plucking out characters from the comics to fill the void is going to be inevitably left by some of the characters Mm -hmm. that we did see kind of end their run in the MCU with Endgame kind of really the springboard into the next generation of the mcu and phase four here and we've questioned often as sometimes what was next for for the x-men well how are they going to integrate in this how long is going to take them to integrate these characters into the mcu and lo and behold it looks like deadpool may be the first character from the fox purchase that finds its way in some fashion into the MCU. Deadline was reporting this week that Disney is now seriously looking at Deadpool 3, hiring a couple writers, and in major talks with with Ryan Reynolds about progressing this film, Deadpool 3, underneath the Marvel Studios banner and potentially even keeping it at a rated R type of movie, kind of continuing to brace what Ryan Reynolds, I think, really pushed for, in deadpool and that was really kind of one of the first superhero movies in this kind of broad appeal era of those films these big temple films to go that direction and really embrace the character that was deadpool in sort of the fashion where you get the rated r you get the cursing you get the blood you get really deadpool now feige had made a statement quite a while ago we'll never do a rated r film under the mcu marvel studios banner but it seems that potentially that has been lightened a little bit and we could see Deadpool in some fashion in the MCU. I don't know if it would be a full integration, but it will be definitely a satirical integration, if I can call it that, in some fashion. So Deadpool 3, the realization of it, Carlos, do you think it's real? Do you think that there is potential there to, to hold on to that rated R and do you think it needs it?
1: Uh, I think it's real. The franchise is just too valuable mm. to not push forward with it as far as a rated r i'm kind of of three minds with it number one i don't think the mcu needs it or kevin feige wants it Mm -hmm. so i would kind of like to see one of two scenarios where either you just keep going with the deadpool franchise as is rated r with all the tropes and all the things that made it successful to date Uh, But just release it, you know, Marvel Studios can guide it and make sure that it's a good quality product, but release it under the 20th century Mm -hmm. banner and off you go. And, you know, maybe you have a couple jokes here and there acknowledging the fact that he's this redheaded stepchild off on an island. But uh, yeah, I I think that that's the way you do it if you want to go the R route. Um, Like, and like, quite frankly, my kids, they watch whatever. Like it's, I'm not, I'm not a prudish guy, but, um, there is something to be said for the trust that Disney has developed with families and people know what they're getting from their brand Mm. and from Marvel and like Marvel is kind of, it's like they bought it to be a boy version of Disney princess kind of thing. So they're not going to contaminate that. So if you do do Deadpool within the MCU, I don't think you call it Deadpool three, Um, and I think it's PG 13 and fits in a piece with everything else. And you can make some jokes about it that way too. Um, and quite frankly, like I didn't mind Deadpool two, um, but I actually preferred the once upon a Deadpool PG 13 version. It just seemed to be more efficient and it was smarter because it had to be, Mm -hmm. and it didn't rely on just kind of supercharging the old jokes and leaned into the Cable Domino stuff, which was frankly more interesting to me at least. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it. And like, I don't know, Deadpool for me, if I never see Deadpool, I could care less. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, it, it's fine. It's there. People like it. That's cool. I I I don't know. And And the one thing I will fight people on is like Deadpool, if you read the comic books, the vast majority of it, it's not necessarily tethered to being rated r anyways
0: no i I agree i don't think it has to be rated r i don't think that they need to die on that hill that (laughs) this is rated r or bust right i think and i've said it before i think they can have more fun with it in a pg-13 sense i think ryan reynolds can run away with this and just really lean into the fourth wall aspect of deadpool and acknowledging even just down to it. Like this is the part where I would normally swear, but I can't, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that, I think could really work. And it could be a nice fresh take on that franchise. Cause I agree with you, but the comments around supercharging the jokes from the first one, I felt that number two really did that. It did some cool stuff. Like you said, with uh, cable and that, but I found that, that Deadpool didn't feel as refreshing as it did on the first take right? Deadpool one, we praised it in the past because it was like this brand new thing. It really worked for the budget. It really worked for the character and Ryan Reynolds fit that role as as tight as that suit is. And I felt the second one was just kind of like, okay, yeah, it's just another Deadpool movie, right? And I, I want something different. And I think that given the person that Ryan Reynolds is, and you put some talented writers on this, You could write your way around a lot of this and make it very engaging and quite funny. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: Well, and I think they kind of did that with like the Once Upon a Deadpool. Like it was Mm. a smarter movie than Deadpool 2 was. And it's just like I literally in Deadpool 2 made the snarky comment about the people sitting next to me. I'm like you guys are just forcing yourselves to laugh at this point when he had like the baby legs. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, we had the baby hands in the first movie. And it was like, I was just not enjoying myself that much because it was just, ah, it, <laughs> it was just kind of there. So I, yeah, I think if you're going to go for it, go all out, do one last rated R movie under the Fox banner and just be done with it. Or if this marriage with Ryan Reynolds and the character is going to be something you want to foster long term do a soft reboot in your brand of a piece with the rest of your movies and off you go kind of thing Mm
0: -hmm. i I still think it has to be solid i just don't see that character working in the mcu like imagine deadpool pulling up at the end of Endgame. (laughs) like it just it doesn't work like it doesn't feel right and maybe they can make it feel right
1: yeah i don't know man i don't know and and we, we say all of this with love because I know that there's listeners oh, out there that are ride and die with uh, with Deadpool.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's just, again, very much to that point is whatever they do, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. And this is just some, yeah, light commentary around what they could do. You know, it's, I'm not married to any scenario here. No. Um I'm married to the idea of, of great content from Marvel and they continue to deliver on that. But some things feel right and some things don't. And, Totally. I'm I'm happy to be wrong on this too, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And and so we'll see, I guess, with this one, it, you know, potentially you could see some stuff into 2021 where they start to really develop this movie and get some announcements out there. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle this, and then that might give us some indication as to maybe what they're going to do with the mutants at, at some point in time.
1: Yeah, I know Rob Liefeld a couple well, I guess it was months ago now, made a comment about the X-Men being behind glass. Mm. And so I don't know if that's a, in case of emergency, break glass. I do certainly feel like it's a get-out-of-jail-free card for them,
0: Mm.
1: which is a good thing. Like, they're doing some neat experimental stuff right now. And, you know, if the MCU starts taking a step backwards, you know that you have arguably the most... Popular franchise outside of Spider Man, just sitting there waiting for you to use it, kind of thing. So,
0: well, and uh, I'm happy for it to be behind uh, a bit of a wall for right now because it gives us the opportunity to talk about characters like Miss Marvel, which we're going to jump into right now. Exactly. You know, exactly. In the absence of the X Men, we get Miss Marvel, we get She Hulk, we get Moon Knight. You know, with Logan and Cyclops and that whole franchise. It, they had a whole movie franchise by themselves that was self-sustaining for, for years, for decades, right? Mm-hmm. And you put that set in front and center in the MCU and you start to lose a little bit of these characters now that they're going to rely on, I think, in a major way, both in Disney Plus and on the big screen. And so I'm happy to take a break from all that because it'll come, guys. It'll come eventually. And I know some people are, are likely clamoring for that, but let's let's give it a little bit of space. And let's talk about some of these new characters that are, I think, are going to be even more fascinating to see their their big screen debuts or small screens in some of the cases. Uh, but really, them being brought to life in live action in the MCU. And that one of those characters we're going to talk about is uh, Miss Marvel. Here, we talked a few weeks back about the casting around Miss Marvel. They had found their Miss Marvel, and uh, it seems that they're move forward with production here i was very unaware that they had indeed gotten this far down the line where they're actually doing stuff but we saw our first set leak photos and now spoilers for miss marvel here guys these are leaks these aren't official announcements and we're gonna provide a little commentary around some of this but i think for me the the biggest reveal here was that like we're likely to see this within the next year or so which is very exciting yeah, no, it'll be
1: cool. It'll be cool that uh, they're going to make good on their promise that kind of the way forward for the MCU is going to be on Disney Plus. So that that'll be neat to see. And and I think she's a character that you'll be able to do a more compelling story with uh, on Disney Plus as opposed to in a movie. So yeah, I'm I'm there for it. And like, quite frankly, she's so interesting that you could probably fill half the series with just kind of her day-to-day life and how she balances the demands of her family and her religion and her school uh, with superheroing easily,
0: yeah.
1: easily. There's compelling stuff there and they've done it in the comics and sometimes those are more interesting than the big superhero beat-down type books. So, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: totally there for that and this is a character too that i think people had some initial concerns around her not being on the big screen but like you said and i believe we talked about this when we got the the casting this character to me suits the disney plus better because we get to spend six eight episodes with her and i think the character itself really demands that sort of development as opposed to the big screen oh here she is here we go here's her suit here's her villain go Mm -hmm. right some characters i think you can afford to do that with um others not so much this one i think spending a little bit of time growing with her is going to be quite valuable and one of the things that we do see here in the leaked set photos is uh what looks to be a i'm gonna call it a cosplay a halloween costume proto suit maybe um of miss marvel as captain marvel We see her with a bike helmet with the mohawk. She's got the Captain Marvel colors on here, bike helmet with the star on the chest. So it it looks really cool what they're doing here. And I know there is some commentary online around this being a really crappy iteration of a suit and all this. But my guess, and I would be shocked if it was actual suit, is that this is her just expressing her love for Captain Marvel. And this is the story goes from there.
1: Yeah, those pictures that I saw definitely look like it was something like a trick or treat scenario mm. or going to a costume party. And like, that is the character. Like her look was inspired by her love of, I, I think it was actually Miss Marvel at the time, like the original version of Carol Danvers, yeah. Miss Marvel. And she just kind of made a costume to, to honor that. So yeah, if this is kind of the basis for her adapting it to her own look, totally, totally yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah, given that we're we're now seeing production here, and we've got kind of this first look at this this cosplay type of suit and her affinity, you know, for Captain Marvel. How how do you think that they're going to play this character? We just touched on the mutants there. She's an Inhuman in the comic books. We've seen a lot of of one off characters like Carol Danvers who was imbued with a power through an Infinity Stone. Is this going to be a character like that? Do you think where they avoid telling? the the inhuman or the mutant backstory to to just avoid it and do something where it's pretty straightforward you know you could even go with she's exposed to something like carol danvers or something very simple like that or do you think it it is worth spending time seeding the idea of an inhuman or a mutant for down the road you know we've got the scrolls we've got kree we've got some of the elements that are needed for the inhumans um, they did tackle some of this on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with the Terrigen Mist and the Terrigen Bomb going off. And this is how we're seeing, you know, the cocoons and all this stuff. Do you think we're going to go down that path here in Miss Marvel?
1: I don't know, because it presents an opportunity to seed stuff for the movies that you then can mm-hmm. skip when you get to the big screen versions and kind of use a bit of shorthand to get people up to speed. I don't know that we're going to go full in humans. To be honest with you, I I definitely don't think they'll go mutant, but they might cheat a bit and do something kind of like what they did with uh, the Vulture's origin and the Spider-Man movies, where it's like, here's an artifact from a story we told before, or here's something left over from Captain Marvel and the Power uh, and the Skrulls being around, or yeah, a piece of her ship or. Or something like that, right? So yeah, I don't know that they'll see the Inhumans again.
0: No, so. and I, it's going to be interesting because I, I I am curious as to what they're going to do with the Eternals and mm-hmm. how they work all of that into the MCU proper. You know, can it kind of give them their god status and, and these type of things and kind of what they play with there? Um, I believe it was the Kree's and all that that had some involvement and experimentation, and so it, it'll be. Interesting how they tackle this. And my first guess would be they're going to tie it to Eternals a bit more. Um, Yeah, that's a good guess. But they could just as easily do something simple, right? Like, you know, her power set is a bit uh, Mr. Fantastic, right? Um, Where she can... I'm not 100% familiar. Like, her power set, she can kind of shape herself a little bit, stretch out, um, grow. Uh, So...
1: And she's got, like, kind of she can bend light kind of thing to become invisible or I think she can become super bright too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she can do a lot. So it'd be interesting how they, they seed that power set and then how they're nucleated almost. And then how they develop it and and how they give her her origin story because, yeah, a lot of it's going to be focused in and around the character self, family, religion, and all that. But we also got to sit on the superhero side of things as well and see what they do with her power set. So exciting. I I, I think that, like I said, the takeaway for me, uh, more so than even the set photos, is that they're into production on this, which is, is, is great. Like, it it only means that it's coming at some point and. The great thing about this Disney Plus stuff is it's not really dependent on a wide theatrical release. When this is done, it's done. They just need a release date, and they can put it on Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just going to get Falcon and the Winter Soldier first here, man.
1: Well, I know. It's killing well, me. Let, let, let's see if Diana inspires them to release Black Widow because that's honestly the only thing that's holding Falcon and the Winter Soldier up.
0: I, you know, I, so I read an article the other day that uh, was saying that I, do you think there's ties that Black Widow needs to come out before Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Do I? Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think there is something in there that needs to be said before you get Falcon and the Winter Soldier?
1: I think so. Yeah, because I think it's kind of the first piece in seeding the the next generation of what your Avengers is going to look oh, like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, she might be in it too. The new Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll, we'll see. I, I definitely think you're going to see Sam Wilson and Captain America make an appearance in that film, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's very, very exciting stuff here. So we're, we're going to skip over to the last topic for this week. And uh, like I said, we're going to move over to Galaxy far, far away. And we're going to talk Mando. we don't got Troy here to, to give us that Grief uh, Cargill, that Kargil, Carl Weathers Mando, even though we <laughs> did see him show up in this episode and direct this episode as well. I know we did a good job. You did a fantastic job. What do you think of Chapter Twelve? Here we got to to revisit some characters we're familiar with, some planet Navarro that we're familiar with. I see Moff Gideon. Some interesting seeds overall. Like, how did you guys uh, consume this, and how did you feel about it coming off the back end?
1: It was great. It it was a pretty perfect episode. It was a bit of a sprint at the end with the mm. resolution. It's like, yeah. oh shoot, we don't get that runtime. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Aside from that, like it gave you everything. It it brought you back old friends, had some of the highest action. I think we've seen all season some illegally cute scenes with the
0: child. Yes, sitting (laughs) in school.
1: (laughs) Yeah, She reminds me
0: so much of my youngest, the child, (laughs) just the way she reacts to things. Yeah.
1: So funny. So cute. And then, uh, yeah, and then seeded some big, scary things for the future. Like I was unnerved. At the fa- like, I hated that alien for putting whatever tracking
0: device it was on the Razor Quest. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. You knew that I, guy was
0: bad, eh? As soon as they, they like zoomed in on him when the Razor Quest pulled into Navarro. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this guy is bad. I agree with you that this was a, another fantastic episode. Like, the episodes, you know, the first four here have been absolute just fire banger episodes. I think we get something new and different. And in every episode, we get to explore so much. Of what is becoming this very dynamic universe built around the Mandalorian here, and uh, it kind of gives you that that as you said before, you know that ability to play in the Star sort of sandbox but do something different. Like everything is familiar, but everything is new. Yeah, which is what 100%. I love. And uh, I, I really enjoyed seeing Grief Cargill and Cara Dune again, and them kind of just finding their footsteps and and really running into this episode. And kind of sprinting towards the end, like you said. I do the only kind of stick out for me is well, the Razor Crest seemed to get fixed very, very fast.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and it's just like, oh, I got to go get the kid. And then it's like right before they get taken out. Uh, it's like, it's, oh,
0: here's cl- the Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, classic <laughs> Star Wars trope. Right in the nick yeah. of time, Han Solo shows up. Phew, there it goes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, aside from that little nitpick, it was like in just everything. Like I thought it was so cool that. They've established the concept of marshals in the Outer Rim yeah. in Episode 1. And then what a better way to utilize Kara in an ongoing capacity than as the ch- Marshal of Navarro and yeah. showing that she's more than adequately <laughs> able to take care of business by herself. So, well, yeah, that I, was very cool.
0: The thing I like, too, about Kara Dune and Grief Cargill in this season is I have expected that, you know, we spent a lot of time with these characters in season one, Mando was going to pick them up by season or by episode two. And we're going to have kind of this ensemble move through the Mandalorian season two. And they've really stepped back from that. Like the Mando spent more time by himself, you know, visiting friends and that as he went, but he spent a lot of time by himself just with a child. And I'm Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, quite pleased with that, that this hasn't become an ensemble cast moving through the universe right kind of this this hero's journey with his friends you know we've seen that in star wars a lot um but i'm happy that we get to spend a bit of time with these characters and then maybe they'll come back we saw a bit of that in season one for sure with ig11 and and grief cargill and all that but uh i've been quite pleased on how they progressed the overall narrative of the mandalorian and this being more focused on him that i anticipated too
1: yeah, and I like that they built out the relationship between him and the and oh, the yeah. child like quite a bit to the fact that he is the dad yeah. now kind of thing. So,
0: well, especially just, like turn around, you know, with the puke and like tell me you haven't done that with your kids in the past. Like, oh, yeah, you're fine, you're fine.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent, man, a hundred percent. Or like the the coaching through the rewiring of whatever yeah. <laughs> that was on the ship, and
0: that was so good. Like all I could yeah. think was like this is never gonna work, but it's great to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so it's nice that they've taken the time to build that relationship. So then, when it changes or if they're in jeopardy ever, it builds the stakes just by virtue of the work that you've put in. So yeah, for yeah.
0: sure, for sure. And you you spoke of some of the the bigger moments here in in chapter twelve. And full spoilers here, guys, because this gets uh, gets quite intense. We we roll up to this imperial base from Navarro, um, which was established kind of I guess in season 1 but we get some real insight into to it more and what the importance of this base is and it's more of a lab I guess than than it is a an outposting as they had originally thought and the lab concept has it really intrigued me here because I don't know if you had the, the same like <gasps> moment when they showed those tubes like you know when you had Dr. Parrish talking about M count and all this, which we'll get into, but you see those tubes. My first thing was like, is that is that Snoke? Like, what what's going on here? Like, like what's this cloning thing that they're getting into?
1: Yeah, no, I and I didn't. I don't know that I jumped to Snoke right away, but I just knew that it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then with the with the M count, it was like, oh shoot, they're uh bringing back really lean, Yeah, <laughs> leaning into. Getting a force user back on that uh, on that empire train. So
0: Well, and that, that's the thing too. This the whole idea of the M count and, and taking the blood, the transfusion from the child and all this, and it's funny that that they've brought back the concept of Metaclorines that George Lucas introduced, much to the dismay of fandom in episode one, because it it kind of put like a, a scientific, you know, basis or understanding to the force. It wasn't just mm-hmm. kind of this thing that you're able to work on and work really hard towards and if you had a bit of that that inherent ability you could refine and perfect that and become the master Jedi. It kind of was at birth it's decided for you if you're gonna be a powerful Jedi or not. And I, I know that deterred a lot of fans, but it's interesting that that Favreau and Felonia have have brought that back in into the fold here as there being a quantifiable way to measure someone's ability in the force. And uh, it seemed that they're, they're trying to build, like, I got this whole, like, Snoke or, like, super soldier vibe off of, of what they're doing there. It's, like, injecting the blood, some sort of, like, force ability or at least super strength to go with it and building a clone army, something that we're familiar with in, in the Star Wars universe. Like, I guess, do you think they're going to go, like, full-on force ability or trying to at least, for lack of a better word, force that into... Someone where they have a, a greater ability, or I think it's just going to be like a super soldier program. I, to be honest, like I initially got the sense that it was
1: going to be for the purposes of a super soldier ser- program, but then when I thought about um, Gideon and the Darksaber, mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe this mofo is trying to get himself up to be in a force user kind of thing. And this is some backdoor way of him
0: trying to accomplish that. Um, if he's, it's quite possible. Yeah. You know, the, the dark saber is an interesting point you bring forward here too, because it, and I didn't really think of it this way, but I like it because, you know, the, there could be some direct connection there between him understanding the dark saber, the significance of his connection to the force and, like you said, him wanting to basically level up here and mm-hmm. and have something more because my when I first watched it, my first initial reaction I connected up this scene with the end scene and what are the what looked to be the dark troopers right mm-hmm. in my head I was like okay they're doing something here it has to do with this but as I stepped back and thought of it more before we started recording I was thinking maybe those two things aren't connected at all maybe this whole like concept of the force. And the M count and what they're doing with a child is completely separate. And I like how you've kind of linked it up to Moff Gideon a bit more here. And this whole Dark Trooper thing is our cannon fodder for what could be a a reteaming with Bo-Katan and a larger Mandalorian force. Where you could have quite a substantial battle against a a formidable foe. In that you're not just having the Mandalorians mow through Stormtroopers like they did in the previous episode, right? Like, let's (laughs) give them something... To actually fight against because the dark troopers coming from the legends part of the universe i believe they're introduced in what's the video game called dark forces
1: dark forces yeah
0: yeah i never played it but seen all kinds of screen grabs all over the internet from it and these are droids i believe as well and so you know we're picking up a lot of threads here clones droids m count from the prequels really um Filoni and Favreau showing their love and you know really connecting some of the tissues there um, across the original trilogy and into uh, post-Return of the Jedi time here, and what the Empire is doing and experimenting with, um, I think it's great. But do do you think there's any connection there, or do you think we're looking at two possible different threads with cloning or something like that over here, and the Dark Troopers just being a bit more of a kind of like a big boss at the end of the season or something like that, something that is you can put the Mandalorian against um, that isn't just the the Stormtroopers.
1: Yeah, it actually gave me flashbacks to I still remember like fighting the dark troopers in this green foggy room and just dying like I I <laughs> I think I wasted like an entire day as a kid trying to <laughs> beat these dark troopers kind of thing before I I eventually did. Um yeah, I I think there's a link between the clones and the dark troopers, but I I think that that's too straight of a line mm. to draw with what they're trying to harvest from the child. And so I do think that there's a bit of subterfuge there where you're supposed to think that they're using the child's blood and that's why they're after him for the dark troopers. But I don't know, as we talk about it more, I'm kind of sensing that there's a different game afoot. foot. Yeah, I agree uh, that Gideon's playing and I don't know, it could be something that maybe he equates the fall of the empire to uh, to the death of Vader, kind of thing, or like he wouldn't necessarily know exactly what happened in the throne room, I wouldn't think. So,
0: it, and these concepts aren't foreign either to Star Wars: clones and troopers, droids, and all this kind of stuff. Building an army, right? Like mm-hmm. in some capacity, you have to be looking at Moff Gideon as as being one of the heads of the Remnant. I know we have the aftermath books, which does detail in a, in a much broader sense where the Empire is and where the remnants went right after Return of the Jedi. Um, but Moff Gideon here, he's got to build the force in some capacity, and those stormtroopers just ain't doing it. You know, every every episode we're seeing them just kind of fall off cliffs and, you know, just not really do a whole bunch other than be just pure cannon fodder. You need something more substantial here, and I think the dark dark troopers could do it. And I I just don't think that the the force side of things is really going to play out in the dark troopers because we got to think about next episode here, guys. Chapter thirteen, written and directed by Dave Filoni. So this is the man that brought you the Clone Wars, brought you Wars Rebels, introduced the character of Ahsoka, has this innate connection to the Force and the storytelling around it. He was a protege of George Lucas's. And he's got a a real good handle here on on the live action. And he's definitely bringing, named in in Chapter 11, definitely bringing Ahsoka to the next episode. I think we were right in predicting that we were likely to see one more pit stop before we got to Ahsoka here by Chapter 13. But there's a lot of dangling threads out there that they've seeded in these first four episodes. And as we kind of take a pit stop here, halfway through the season, we've seen a lot. We've discussed it in quite a bit of detail. But now let's look forward into the next four episodes and what that potentially could bear as far as reveals, as far as tying up some of these threads, and as far as really expanding the story around the Mandalorian. You know, we, we saw Fett seeded in the first episode. We've got Ahsoka name drop. We've got the Darksaber that we've really yet to see much from. We've got Moff Gideon only really making his first appearance in chapter 12 here, this past episode. Yes, we did get a kind of a brief cameo of him. Um, we've got some interesting concepts around the forest here. We've got the Mandalorian himself. He's still on this mission to hand off the child. There's a lot going on here. Bo-Katan, the, the Mandalorian lore itself. Where, where do you think the back half of the season is going to go given kind of this list that I've just rattled off of things that we've seen in the first four episodes and what they really need to do to, to land and to stick these last four episodes the same way that they did at the end of season one.
1: Where do I think they're going to go? Uh, I, I think, yeah, we're going to get Ahsoka B be established. Um, I think there'll be a relationship forged between the three of them, the Mandalorian, the child, and Ahsoka. And I think we're going to get a big, bad, ominous cliffhanger for that last episode where Gideon ends up with the child. Like, I don't think there's going to be any kind of happy ending like we mm. got at the end of the first season. I think this will be your your Empire Strikes Back It's got to be. <laughs> type of scenario and then you know maybe season three is all about uh, them requiring the child and him having to be with Ahsoka to launch her show and merchandise train mm. so
0: <laughs> well and I, I've been a big a big supporter of the idea that the child has to be handed off in some capacity and I think that point that you just made there about this cliffhanger this empire strikes back s type of ending it's got to go that way. Favreau a big fan of the OT and that, that second chapter, if you will, of this, what could potentially be four or five seasons, but really the second chapter and what could be a trilogy style of storytelling to kick off the Mandalorian. It's got to end that way. I agree. It's got to end in some capacity where you have the Mandalorian at a loss and potentially some of these other characters at a real loss. Um, I, I really do think that we're going to go down that path and I really think that the dark troopers here are going to play a big role in, in emphasizing a bit more the Mandalorian side of thing, the Bo-Katan side of thing and bringing Din over to an outside of what they called the cult, or Mm -hmm. they referred to as the cult, and him embracing a bit more of that way instead of this is the way. And I think that with Filoni directing these next few episodes, it's a real great opportunity for them to flesh some of that out, potentially into something bigger and broader. I don't know. I think there's more Mandalorian story beyond Din to tell in this as well.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree for sure. Well, and you still, like you said, you got Boba Fett still hanging out
0: Mm -hmm.
1: on the periphery of this whole thing. so yeah maybe you reintegrate him somehow i almost don't see how at this point in time. no i think you,
0: he's he's good just to leave where it was it's just kind of like he exists he's out there pick it up somewhere else i think it it'll feel too much like you're playing to an audience if boba fett all of a sudden shows back up you know in the last battle to save the day in some it just doesn't work for me storytelling wise it makes no sense why? No, do I that? agree. And
1: was there any truth to the rumor that they had a Boba Fett show that was up and running and
0: filming? I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think so. Like, I think this show was seeded out of like the concept of a Boba Fett show at some point. Mm-hmm. And they just took something and Favreau massaged it and evolved it a bit into what we're seeing. Um, I did see that same rumor. Okay, we're going to get a, a Boba Fett story of some sort. And, That could very well be realized, but I'm almost happier with the way they left it. Right? No,
1: I think it's cooler. It maintains his mystique a bit too.
0: Yeah. You don't need a Boba Fett story. I don't think like I, to see the character show up in season three in some capacity again, like he's come for his armor, you know, that could be something that would be of real interest. It would feel, I think out of place given everything that they've shown us right now for them to take a pit stop in the last four episodes to have a Boba Fett versus Mandalorian episode where Fett's come for his armor and you see him redawn the mask. I, I don't know if that fits, narratively speaking. Um, no, I don't think so either. To what they have to do because you, you have to sacrifice an entire episode to do that, you know, after you've introduced Ahsoka.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, I think you have two episodes with her yeah. or like the equivalent of two and I think you need to get back to book ten and the Mandalorians mm-hmm. in some regard too.
0: Yeah. And then, and I, I think given like you mentioned too, that they've got this tracking device on the razor crest that we could see, as Troy mentioned last week, we could see a, a dark saber and a lightsaber clash
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the next few episodes. Like it, it blows my mind to say that out loud, that there's real potential that we could see that you've got Filoni directing it here. It, it's, it's quite possible. And, you know, Bo-Katan made it very clear she wanted that saber as well. So there's a, a nice nexus here that they seem to be building towards with all of these what could have been more randomized stories that are being told. There seems to be a direction that they're all funneling towards to get kind of this nice climax with the Mandalorian here in the next four episodes. I'm, I'm quite excited uh, for this. Like I, I'm salivating at the idea of seeing Ahsoka live action here um, but even more so what implications it has for the story they're telling here and where it could go. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like four back to back ha- or uh, big cliffhanger episodes.
1: Yeah. Well, they're in a cool position now where like Din is almost like the, uh, he's the weakest guy in all the things that we have coming up. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause Gideon is infinitely more powerful and has way more resources. Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians are better equipped and have just far better numbers. And then you have Ahsoka, who's could probably wipe him out with a thought kind of thing, right? Yeah. So you have this guy on the back foot, but he's the star of your show.
0: Yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah. And like, yeah. there's, there's something to be said too about the child hasn't done anything really mm-hmm. in this season other than be god-awful cute <laughs> you yeah know? but i think at this point in season one he had shown some of those force capabilities um, i believe it's episode two or three that we we first saw it and it was i remember being quite shocked they went there that quick
1: but, yeah when, when he took out the mudhorn right
0: yeah but he's kind of sat on the periphery for the most part here and there's there's something brewing there i think like maybe we'll see it next week some connection with ahsoka um maybe even a mention of this looks a lot like master yoda like she knew yoda very well yeah and the it it bears a striking resemblance (laughs) to yoda yeah i'm excited for it because i think that's the big
1: the big step forward right is getting that connection to the jedi getting some of this stuff explained to to din and moving the story forward as opposed to just kind of fumbling around mm-hmm. the whole time which is been done intentionally up to this point but um yeah i think the training wheels are off as soon as you introduce her right so
0: oh yeah and and i'm a, I'm a firm believer that everything that has been said and shown and done in these first four episodes means something for these next four episodes Mm-hmm. I think everything is intentional you know I know there is a bit of conjecture around episode two of season two it being a little slower and you got the lizard lady and but that led us to the next episode which you know everything seems to matter it's all going in a direction and I feel these is, these are organic stories I think to me to be honest with you in this whole season the only thing that didn't seem like it was earned and organic was the razor crest being fixed in about 20 minutes like, that yeah. is literally the only thing to me.
1: Well, and the other thing, too, that you have kind of going on is you have the New Republic. Yes. And the one kind of pilot policeman guy doing his investigation as to what's brewing, too. So maybe the New
0: Republic is... Uh, a massive factor in the last four episodes that we haven't talked about very well could be because that's something that you know we're on the outer rim here we're quite a ways away and i think just made reference like we can't control everything that's going on out here and so they have these marshals and all this that are keeping control but that that's something too that would be of interest at least to me to explore a little bit is a bit more about the new republic i don't want the full-on senate New Republic type stuff, but seeing a little bit more of the X-Wings, and I, I think they've done it right to this point. Um, and they had some great references to to Alderan and Cara Dune here and him fighting, you know, in the Battle of Yavin and all this right after uh, Alderan was destroyed. Like, some really cool stuff there.
1: Yeah, and that's the stuff that I I eat up, like, you know, right? So, yeah, if I can see all these just periphery people making their going about their day-to-day lives in this world in this galaxy, I'm there for it. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: I tell you, man, it is extremely exciting to see what what they're doing. Friday has become lunchtime for me. I sit down quietly in the basement. The little ones asleep. The oldest is at school. I have my forty plus minutes of of Star Wars of Mandalorian. And and I've really, really enjoyed that it's been kind of a nice thing and I'm looking forward to getting to these next episodes and and seeing how much of this stuff plays out you know we've had lots of discussions around trying to predict and trying to anticipate what's going on and I think you look at those two minds that are controlling this they're going to throw us all over the place in the next four episodes it's going to be up it's going to be down we're going to be uh going to be feeling uh I think quite pleased with what they have to deliver here and I'm excited I'm excited to with all the unknowns and. And I'm okay with uh, some of it not being answered and, and saving some of this and, and making us wait a little bit. It, it's great storytelling when we want more of it. Like I, I I want it all the time and they're doing their job. Yeah, man. The only thing I don't like
1: about this show is the money that it's costing me with all this child merch that I'm having to uh, finance.
0: So that's my, that's my only complaint. Well, it ain't gonna stop, dude. It is uh, that, that train I has just left the station it's not even full speed yet i don't think no no it has not Uh, all right dude well this is a shorter one for this week it's been it's been great touching on all the franchises here we had had quite a an interesting week across the board from 184 through to the mcu some interesting properties that are they're spiking up there and then of course the mandalorian discussion guys Uh, we are missing our two boys here troy and sanjay but uh, they'll be back in some capacity, I think, next week. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, no topic for next week. But, guys, we're barreling towards the end of the year here. We're going to do probably one more film review because we've quite enjoyed that. Uh, and I know we've been throwing around the idea of a of a listener choice, retro review chosen by the listeners, the four movies that do go into that. So people will tap uh, – Tap the listeners here to to get that in the pipe and get that decided, and then we'll figure out exactly exactly when we want to drop that. Because we usually try to pick a bit of a down week to drop that in. And so we've quite enjoyed doing the retro reviews. And we got Wonder Woman eighty four here. We're gonna see the review on that at some point, probably in the early part of twenty one. You will see our our discussion review of of Wonder Woman, and then our look backs guys. I've been already making notes on twenty twenty. It's uh it's been a wild year, and I cannot wait to talk about the acquisitions the change in the nerd rooms the the everything is it's, it's going to be an absolute blast and then looking in to 2021 and what's never going to be an absolutely wild wild year and guys i got to give a big shout out to uh rob cast he uh he had myself rob williams and and rob wade from tsw on his new show his rebranded show swc plus roundtable picking up from some of uh, the legacy of the TSW Roundtable in the same vein there, picking up some of the hosts uh, from across some of the podcasts that we do interact with on a regular basis, and we we actually got a bit real. We sat down, we discussed the network, where it's gone, the SWC itself, what we're looking forward to in the future, podcasting during a pandemic, a real nice and, uh, and, and honest talk about uh, what's going on in the group that we do have there and with some of the podcasts and and how we've been podcasting through the pandemic so we had a lot of fun with that it's over on a brand new feed on Podbean. So i'll link that below guys and go check that out and uh carlos man this this wraps it up for this week i i can't wait to get back to the mics i'm already already hotly anticipating next week man <laughs> Yeah, dude, always, always. It's been, uh, it's been a bit of a grind
1: uh, as far as work and everything going on in the world. But uh, looking forward to the Tuesday night records, man. It Who is, uh, yeah. Sometimes making notes for the podcast is the only joy that I get <laughs> 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 in the course of a workday. So. Yes, yes, yeah, so yeah,
0: It's it's yeah. It's always fun, man. Always a blast having you here. Uh, the goddamn Batman. Captain America, you know, we've got all sorts of names for each other here. Mr. Peasant, if you want to call me that. <laughs> <laughs> we got Mr. McFarlane over there. Who knows? Who knows? But, uh, guys, we'll be back next week talking all things Star Wars Marvel, DC, and beyond. And if you'd like to be a bigger part of that show or any show in the future, you can always email us at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything that we do over at Nerdroom.net. The Hunt is real, and you can find that over on our Instagram page, at the NerdRAM on Instagram. Carlos will be chucking up a few things there. And as the grind slows a little bit here, I'm, I'm going to commit to it, guys. December, you will see a Nerd Room tour. My Nerd Room, it's done. Excellent. It's ready to go. December has been dubbed my personal creative month. So you will see me make the room, make the time to film this. I don't know if I go on YouTube or if I put it on Instagram TV or whatever it is. Um, I may do that. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but you will get a full tour of Marvel, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles, everything, guys. You'll see the whole thing, Jurassic Park. It will be there. That is my promise to you before the end of 2020. You have a full nerd room tour. So there it is, guys. Put my foot down. Maybe I put my Excellent. foot in my mouth. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, guys, before we close this thing out, big shout out to Matt and Rob Wade for endorsing this podcast over Mostly 14. .com. you can find everything him and all the other endorsed podcasts do over there so until uh until next week when we're back at it for the nerd room i'm tim
1: and i'm batman
0: and thank you guys very much for entering the nerd room this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy Sanjay, and carlos on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 Sunjabby, and cdn caped crusade r for more content from the nerd room check out the nerd And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.